Hey, welcome to the new, improved, upgraded Black Health Podcast. It's been a while, so we're going to uh, reintroduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm Paula. I'm a co-founder of Black Health, um, and today I'm joined by my partners and the other co-founders of Black Health. I'll let you all introduce yourselves. Hey, I'll start. My name is Khadija, and I'm also co-founder of Black Health. What's up, y'all? It's Mercy, co-founder of Black Health. Hey, y'all, it's Matthew, additional co-founder <laughs> of Black Health. <laughs> yeah, so just so y'all know, we're planning to be more consistent with releasing podcast episodes this year. We're aiming for once a month. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, but I think we'll be good on that. I have faith. Yeah, <laughs> and um, as y'all know, we have a bunch of other stuff, other programming going on for you to tune into outside of the podcast. So we have our Instagram, Twitter, the articles on our site. Um, We have some really, really dope events planned for this year, um, both virtual and in-person. So if you're interested in dismantling racism, health, Black people, justice, all of that kind of stuff, then definitely connect with us um, in every way possible because that's what we do. So going forward, we're going to do an icebreaker in the intro uh, just before getting into like our current events topics. So this week's icebreaker topic is what have we been watching on TV lately? Um, Mercy, what have you been watching on TV lately? You know, I've really been tapped in into like going back and watching like old shows lately. Mm. I don't know why, but I think like just the nostalgia of like simpler times, you know? (laughs) So as you know, we were prepping for the podcast, I was in the middle of binge watching Supernatural. Yeah, you were telling me about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's exactly what the title is. It's a show about supernatural shit. And it's about these two brothers that like just going to go around the U.S. like chasing demons and ghosts and witches and vampires, werewolves. That's right up your alley. That's right up my alley too. I love, <laughs> I I love, love it. spooky time. And it's 15 seasons. It's like unlimited spooky what? season. Yeah. I've never heard of this show. Check it out. It was a network uh, television yeah, show. Yeah, I think it was like on TNT or something. Got it. One of those... Whatever, but yeah, so I've been watching that, and then sometimes you know the supernatural gets a little too like okay, I need to take a little break, so I have to balance it out with a little ratchet. So I've been going back <laughs> watching the first seasons of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, Ooh. and very ratchet. I know we always say Kirk is trifling, <laughs> but Kirk was trifling as fuck. Yeah, like I've never seen a episode of Love and Hip Hop. Is it in different places? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's not just Atlanta. No, there's like New York, Miami, Miami yeah. Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen an episode. You should watch one episode because you're gonna be like, whoa. Yeah. There's a lot of random stuff that happens. Like <laughs> definitely, like maybe an episode with a little scrappy. You might appreciate. Oh, that's a show with scrappy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. BME click represent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I met Sam Scrappy the in the airport. What? <laughs> and me and my friends, we all, I think we were coming back like from Miami or something to Michigan. And we all took a picture like, put the paws on them. It's like on my Facebook. <laughs> Replaying that episode, I was like, yep, it was some great one liners that came off of that yep. show <laughs> that we still say. What about you, Matthew? What are you watching? Yeah, so in the similar spirit of escapism, I've been watching a show about uh, billionaires. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've been watching Succession. 
I really just binge watched the entire series. I think there's three three uh, seasons. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, it's about this really rich family who owns this like media conglomerate, mm-hmm. um, and their father um, is old and really should retire, but isn't going to let go of the business. And their his kids are really fighting mm-hmm. um, to have control over to be the next CEO, and just all the shenanigans and bitterness mm-hmm. and like turf wars. I really say it's like. Uh, Game of Thrones, but everybody's just wearing suits. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And instead of uh, instead of dragons, they have Maybachs because <laughs> they're, they're really wealthy. I've um, seen a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah so it's a really interesting show. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's mom just... watches Succession. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so she yeah, I vibe with that. Don't come watch with your mom. You should. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just like, man, it must be really nice to have billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and to have no accountability and like zero morals and ethics. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to like live a great life? Yeah. Um, and then, additionally to that, I've been watching this show called Chillin' Island. Have y'all mm-hmm. heard of that? I saw that one. So it's on HBO, and it pairs like two two things that I really love. So it's nature and hip hop. And so, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the first episode, they had. Uh, young thug in the desert what? on like June oh, okay. yeah. I saw the clip, but I didn't know what that was from. Yeah. It was so random to it's me. It's very I random. Like, what? We was watching, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had him like, um, so like in the first scene, they crashed the doom buggy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they like found young thug. He flew in on a helicopter. And then he's like, talking about snakes. It's all very random. Okay. But they also talk about, like, deep stuff, like the meaning of life and, like, what happens to you when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think people got really high and I thought of this show. Sounds like some, some high stuff. Like, um, <laughs> but, yeah, that um, it's really cool. I like the juxtaposition. Um, seeing Gunna go fly fishing is, like, mm. really interesting <laughs> to me. I'm going to so. have to check that out. Yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> what about you, Khadija? What have you been watching? Um, so similarly to Mercy, I've been binging old shows. Mm. So because I love Shonda Rhimes, um, done with, I'm done with Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I tried season 18. I did. 18 <laughs> seasons? And they just got good. I've also never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it's so good, but it fell off so hard. Yeah. Mary Gray, um, what's that woman's name in real life? Ellen Pompeo. Yeah. yeah. She problematic as fuck. Um, but she's done. She be looking so like defeated. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just too realistic because um, season seventeen they did some COVID stuff. Oh, it was traumatic as fuck. Yeah, what is she and they overlapped it with police brutality. Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was too much. It was not escaping <laughs> at all. Like Meredith was in like a COVID coma. Yes, for like half of the season. What the hell? And then she was like getting visited by all these dead people. Like. That have died yeah. over seasons of Grey's Anatomy because so you know, like a throwback. Yeah, you know, trying to be killing everybody. So like, <laughs> like Derek. Um, <laughs> yeah, but now I switched to Scandal. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say I've been told by a couple people <laughs> that I favor slightly Carrie Washington. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if you don't see it. It's okay. Um, but yeah, it's a mess. Um, you know, I'm a little tired of like the the black woman, you know, lusting after the white man. Yeah. Shonda loves that storyline. I, yeah. I can't. 
Um, <laughs> but no, it's really good. I love a political drama. And it's very, it's interesting because the main characters are Republicans. But this was like before Trumpism. And mm. when Republicans were at least a little bit more oh. <laughs> diverse in their ideologies. And so the president is supposed to be this like moderate, like <laughs> kind of down <laughs> mm-hmm. Republican. Mm. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that show in like 2021. It'd be a mess. But yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I've been watching. Okay. How about you, Paula? I've been watching a lot of Euphoria, okay. um, them badass kids. <laughs> right. I don't remember high school being like that. No, high school was not like that for me at all. I was, I, in, I was at church. So. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I was watching this TikTok today that was like the black teacher at Euphoria. <laughs> she was going on like, Mm-mm, put some clothes on. <laughs> and like something wrong with that Nate, ben, that Nate boy. <laughs> like, yeah, something is wrong with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been watching a lot euphoria um i love the new season like how it's filmed it's filmed on film that's why i heard it's really aesthetically like nice yeah it's really dope but actually i went back and started watching the first season too so it's kind of cool to see like how everything is like connecting and where it started Mm -hmm. and everything and Zendaya is just killing it. Like, I'm really proud of her. She's a yeah, very good, her. what's it called? Like a method actress? Yeah. She's yeah. A, she's like, a, she's very her convincing. story. <laughs> it's like, wow, you're really struggling with these drugs, Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's did she start on Disney? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. did. She did. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I hope Zendaya gets clean soon. No, <laughs> no but it really seems like really true. Like, she's very good at like making me believe she's got a problem. Paula, wait, is it Zendaya or Zendaya? I say Zendaya, but I could be totally wrong. I have Zendaya. no idea. Zendaya. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Rihanna's name is Rihanna, but I say everyone says Rihanna, but she says Rihanna if you listen to her. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, I've also been watching Abbott Elementary. So oh, I've heard that they yeah. Like oh my gosh, y'all need to check that out. It is so funny, and you know, um, Quinta, like Quinta, be yeah, killing yeah. it too. She's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Also, her glow up has been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I really like that show and. My friend, like their mom is a teacher and she was watching it and she was like, I know someone just like this. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> like I know all of these characters in real life, which is kind of sad if you watch the show because that school is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it would make a lot of things make sense about the oh, yeah. <laughs> education system. It's definitely mm-hmm. like a couple of them are like, teach for America. Like, let's save the children. <laughs> and then like the principal is like, don't give a fuck about anything. Fuck them like, kids. <laughs> fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a black woman. She's hilarious. The principal be having me dying because <laughs> she do not care about them kids. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that's what we've been watching. Um, so yeah, now we'll get into our current events, things on our mind, our just our next segment about, you know, things we want to discuss with each other about black health and health and racism and all that good stuff. So I will pass it over to Matthew. It's me. It's oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, y'all. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, as Paula mentioned, we've been off the podcast for a little bit. What we promised that we were doing things. <laughs> um, Sweet we've been very busy. <laughs> um, and so, we just went to relay to you all some of the activities we've been engaged with um, in 2021. Um, And so I can start with one arm of the work we're doing, which is around research. 
Um, and so we've been supporting research um, projects at various academic institutions. And um, it's been nice to um, engage in that capacity. We've been um, uh, community, community advisory board members. So really trying to bring the voice of the community and the population that we serve um, with Black health, which is Black people, <laughs> um, uh, to uh, to academia, to the ivory tower. Um, and so two of the research engagements we've been um, involved with, um, one of them is was with the University of Washington, um, and it was called the Brave Study. So it was related to um, Black and Asian solidarity and how we've been um, coping um, during the pandemic. And 2020-2021 has obviously brought a lot of um, structural racism and stress to both communities, um, mm-hmm. Black communities and Asian communities. And so the study was just to um, uh, create a virtual space, a virtual um uh, like on Zoom to share um, our experiences and just provide like mental health support and tools, um, you know, within and across our two communities. And so that experience was really great. Um, I definitely yeah. want Black Health to continue engaged with um, just working with other racial, ethnic, minoritized groups. Um, I think obviously we have different experiences and different experiences with oppression, but um, I'm really into solidarity. So, um, that was great. Too. I helped, um, facilitate some of those brave sessions and like, they were, they're you know, intense. They were intense. <laughs> yeah. Like they were very eye opening. I think it was really good to like get black people and Asian people like talking to each other, mm-hmm. you know, particularly in this moment of COVID where both of our populations are kind of like, you know, a lot is going on for us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I think that there was, like, a lot of solidarity building. And, and, you know, they were positive overall, but there was, like, some sessions. I think we had that one topic that was kind of like, what do you need from the other group? Mm. So we kind of, we broke off by race. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I was talking to the Black folks, and they were just kind of like, you know, like, I'm tired of Asian people being anti-Black. So, and then we have to come back together and discuss what we it. About. <laughs> yeah, and so, but then also, like, the Asian folks were, they, you know, they had their own things that they were coming to the table with. And honestly, like, they were describing, like, some very violent things that had happened to them in mm-hmm. the last couple years or, you know, people that they knew close to and everything. And it was it was kind of sad. And I, I could see myself and the other Black people on the calls. Like, we were kind of like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah. it opened our eyes, too. So it was really good to have that, like, cultural exchange and that dialogue just to open yeah. that door. yeah. Um, and then another study we were engaged with, um, we're currently engaged with, Matthew and I, um, it's called the RADx study, and it's with Georgia State University, and we're also community advisory board members. And so that study is related to um, better understanding hesitancy around um, COVID-19, um, testing and vaccines, and um this thing called Sarah, I can't say it, Sarah, Sarah Survey, Sarah. Sounds, sounds great to me. <laughs> it's basically like antibody testing. Yep. Um, so just to like better understand 
um, Black communities, specifically in Atlanta, um, so various like diverse Black communities in Atlanta, our experiences um, and some of the things that may be like hurdles or hesitancies and where opportunities are um, in terms of um, testing. And so that's been a really cool experience. Um, we definitely want to engage more um, in like that community capacity with academia. Um, I think that's a good like sweet spot for us. Um, but yeah, that's what we've been doing in research land. So if there are any <laughs> academic folks listening to this podcast that need community advisory board members, um, hit us and, up. And, and have a budget. And have a budget for our community <laughs> advisory board members. Most importantly, yeah. budget. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I'll pass it to Mercy to talk about some of our workshops and speaking engagements. Yes, we have, like Khadija said, we still have been very busy. Part of the reason why we've been a little quiet, uh, outwardly facing. But we've also been doing our workshops and different speaking engagements. Um, earlier last year, I had the awesome opportunity to do a uh, webinar with CBS Health um, to talk about uh, vaccine hesitancy in the Black community. And that was a really cool conversation. It was fun to be on like a platform like CBS and tell white folks that they were racist. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So that was really fun. And really just, you know, talk about the issues. Like, yes, we talk a lot about medical mistrust, but it's not just that. It's a lot of other different issues. Mm. Um, and so I know Matthew um, was a panelist for the State of Black America conference last year. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to write an article um, but also serve as a panelist for the State of Black America, which is put on by the Urban League. Um, and we just really had a conversation about uh, health disparities, why health disparities exist, and the crux of that is racism, uh, but really trying to envision like a new way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a really cool experience. Um, got to be in a panel with some really qualified Black people. Yeah, I was going to say, there's some um, heavy yeah. hitters on that yeah. side. Yeah. Sure <laughs> like, What's in there? Mama, his face next to those faces. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that that was a really awesome experience. Um, it's something that's gonna, going to live on the internet forever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So really cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, we've also been doing these racism and health workshops. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of different organizations uh, have been hitting us up or, were, you know, were hitting us up too in 2020 2020? and 2021 yeah. <laughs> to, and, and now <laughs> to mm-hmm. provide um, just workshops on how their staff, like if they're a healthcare organization, how their staff can um, better address racism within the workplace um, in the services that they deliver to their patients and just work towards health equity. So like you said, Mercy, it's been cool to like, you know, tell white people like you're racist and yeah. <laughs> this is what you, this is what you can do. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's always also the fun part of it is like actually giving people tools because I just feel like, you know, a lot of times it kind of just like ends with you're racist. Yeah. And it's like, okay, <laughs> right. but like, you know, like one, all people aren't racist. They just kind of sometimes operate in racist systems yeah, because exactly. they're yeah. white. They just continue to benefit. But yeah. not all of them want to. They do want to do the work. So it's always cool, like, interacting with them, the ones who really want to do the work and mm-hmm. genuinely mm-hmm. want to know how to become an ally. So that's always, like, 
yeah. little heartwarming. Like, yeah, it is heartwarming. It's been like really refreshing <laughs> to like have all these different people like coming to us, like asking for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's helpful. I think, yeah. the, I think the thing that's been really interesting is that we're very explicit about using critical race theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and critical race theory is really, you know, received a bad rap. You know, people are uh, saying that it can't be taught in schools, although it was never taught in schools. <laughs> and now, um, but to have people who, you know, we clearly identify that that's what our work is yeah. based off of, then want to engage with us, I think has been really awesome to see as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely put... We're teaching critical race theory and <laughs> anti-racism strategies and all of our learning objectives. Every single but, you know, one. controversial things, they get the people going. So I think people actually do. That's why they want it, too. Yeah. It's and then it's like part of it, too, like they really don't know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, how can you hate something when you don't even know what you're hating? you just on it because someone told you to. Do your own research, people, and not on YouTube University. <laughs> But yeah, Matthew, so uh, tell us more about this uh, huge campaign that we did (laughs) and are still doing. (laughs) Yeah, so um, in 2021, uh, we kicked off our colorectal cancer uh, awareness and screening campaign, uh, really established a a national screening program. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for Black people, we have um, a higher incidence and a higher mortality of colorectal cancer, which means, you know, we get colorectal cancer more often. Um, and then die from it. Uh, but screening is a really great way to prevent that death. Um, but we're um, historically underscreened. Uh, so we had <clears throat> a partnership with Cottonelle um, to really establish a national screening program uh, throughout the country, uh, which has been really awesome. We distributed uh, 5,000 screening tests, which you know allow you to identify if you um, have blood in your stool and if you have blood in your stool, one of the causes of blood in the stool may be um, that you uh, have colorectal cancer. So then you can go get a colonoscopy. Uh, We established a fund uh, to pay for colonoscopies with the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. Uh, So we put $300,000 in a fund uh, to help pay for that. So and anybody who is Black can can apply for those funds. So if you would like a colonoscopy, please reach out to the Colorectal Cancer Alliance um, and get that colonoscopy scheduled. Um, And then we partnered with organizations around the country, which was probably the coolest part of the campaign. We were able to work with nonprofits um, and health centers um, in Philadelphia, D.C., Detroit, Houston, and L.A., Mm -hmm. um, which was really great, you know, Mm -hmm. learning from Mm -hmm. these organizations about their communities, about the people they serve, um, and really relying on them and their networks. Mm-hmm. Um, to distribute those screening tests. So it was a, a really awesome experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're excited about year two. We're growing the program, uh, ready to be in seven cities, hey. um, <laughs> including Atlanta. We want to have some in-person events. We're trying to create th- some things that are fun and engaging. Uh, and safe. And safe. <laughs> you know, that's just what we do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, it was a, a huge step for us as an organization uh, to establish like a national program um, so really, really proud of the team for, for stepping up and doing that this this last year. Um, and in the next year, 2022 this year, I'm really excited to see how, how much larger we can push it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how even though this was a national campaign um, and we're really like broadening our reach in that capacity, that we still were able to keep it community engaged. And I mm-hmm. think as we continue to grow as an organization, I definitely want us to continue to have that community engaged lens in our work. 
And so that's why the component of working with community organizations in different cities was so important because um, we're based in Atlanta. Paul's based in South Africa. We've been based in D.C. for a tiny bit. Um, (laughs) And so it's easier for us to do community engagement in those places, particularly Atlanta, like where we are from and we have all these connections and we're um, just more integrated into the community. But we really can't do that type of community engagement in cities. And we shouldn't be doing that type Mm -hmm. of community engagement in cities that we're not, you know, part of the community. So I think we kind of figured out a little model to to engage, um, you know, kind of sister nonprofits and community organizations in those different cities that are already on the ground doing the work and just support their capacity to deliver these services. So that was my favorite part about the campaign. Yeah. I'd also like to shout out. The money is great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Allowed us to do the work, but also like to shout out um, Dion Cole, who like also lended his voice to the campaign um, yeah. and talked about sort of how colorectal cancer had uh, impacted his life um, and, and the relationships around him. Um, and of course, our, our good friend and advisor, Dr. Fola May. Um, mm-hmm. That was recently featured on Red Table Talk. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, uh, who continues to, to guide us in this work. She's been really uh, instrumental in, in helping us build out this program. Yes. And I meant the money that we put aside for the Black folks. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that in public. <laughs> no, I agree. I was actually really excited about that fund too. Yeah. Cause like that's like getting money or like not really, it's not money, but it's like paying Material for people. Yeah. Yeah. Sources. Their healthcare is like so important when that's just such a major gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, um, and someone was identified as, as positive for mm-hmm. colorectal cancer through, this whole initiative, so. Yeah, I got an update today that they actually had a, a colonoscopy confirmed, as Paula said, but they're in care and receiving wow. care. Nice. Um, and had we not, you know, send out our screening Aww. tests, that wouldn't have been possible. So um, it's awesome. Like, we're, I'm we're, so we're, proud of it. We're saving lives. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, we should be really proud about that. Yeah, I, that That's makes really me want to cool. cry. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so um, let's move into, like, the, our next topic. So I'm going to now pass it. Back to you don't want to talk about South Africa? Um, you know, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we do on a few things in South Africa. All right, we can move on. <laughs> well, no, okay, I can go back to that. <laughs> I was just trying to be cognizant of time. But um, yeah, okay. So as Khadija mentioned, I'm based in South Africa. Um, so we had our first global Black Health event in mm. Johannesburg last year. I forgot what month. Um, never mind. So, <laughs> so um, the topic was mental health in Black entrepreneurs. And that's just because a lot of my friends in South Africa are entrepreneurs and like creatives, um, which is like one of my favorite things about living there. But, you know, I just felt I could see like how people were really, really struggling like during like, you know, in the age of COVID and everything like that. Um, South Africa had like some different... Um, rules in the U.S. did, like, as far as, like, what you could and could not do during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So they had um, a pretty strict curfew. Actually, all all last year, um, yeah, there was a curfew. So the curfew time varied, but it was early. Uh, it was, like, I think 8 p.m. at times. Then they might have adjusted it depending on new number of new cases and everything of covid 
it was adjusted to like 10 p.m. And then another time I remember it was midnight and then but like it kept moving. So like the president will come and like announce like on a Sunday, he would do a speech on a Sunday and be like, OK, the curfew is now this time. So it's just kind of like <laughs> things kept changing. So people who had businesses and things like that were kind of always in flux. Um, and then they also like restricted like the sale of alcohol. They re- re- really restricted um like the number of people who could gather. So people who are like event planners, party party promoters, throwers, things like that. Like they've just, it just really mm-hmm. uh, disturbed like all of that work. Mm-hmm. And unlike here in the U.S. where a lot of people just kind of like kept going on as if nothing was going, like there was no <laughs> pandemic at all. People were still doing shows and and going to parties. Like in South Africa, it was, it was way more restricted. So yeah, so people who were creatives, entrepreneurs, things like that, they were struggling for a, a pretty extended amount of time and still are, actually. So, like, I wanted to have that event just to kind of check in and then connect people to mental health resources because it's it's an even, like, less talked about uh, thing in South Africa than it is here on this side. So a lot of people don't really even know where to start to get mental health resources. So what we did was, um, and it was a Black Health Conversations event. So it's like where we bring in um, certain like experts in the field. And then we also just bring in like community folks. And, you know, so for the community here was Black entrepreneurs and just connect them and get them talking. Like we just have like an open conversation. So we had um, a licensed counselor. Her name is Tembi Mashigo. She is so excellent. And um, she talks a lot about like um, intergenerational trauma. Mm. And if you know anything about South African history, like it's deep, you know, Mm -hmm. like with apartheid, but then just, I mean, a lot of things going on in South Africa, Um, just the, you know, the racism and segregation, intense, deep segregation uh, that's happening there. And, you know, the historical legacy of all of that. So um, that intergenerational trauma is very prevalent there. So, so Tembi, she, she connects that to your current, um, you know, mental health status and how to like combat a lot of that. So, um, like, I mean, when she was talking, like she, so, okay, like, so she's very spiritual too. Mm -hmm. So she also, um, kind of connects like the (laughs) traditional African healing practices, uh, with her, um, mental health uh, work and therapy. But like when she came into the room, she took her shoes off. And so she was just barefoot, like the whole <laughs> conversation. I love it. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to show y'all a picture of her. Like she was barefoot and all the time. So yeah. And then like, I mean, just when she talked, it was just, it was just deep, you know, and like the real kind of deep. Mm-hmm. So like when she would talk, like everybody was tuned in, mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody was really, really getting something, um, from her and, um, she is booked and busy though. So I, I'm like, I see why, because she, yeah. she really is one of those people that's really doing the work. Like she's mm-hmm. real. Um, and then we also have the radio host, media personality and, um, a mental health, she's a mental health advocate as well. Uh, Penny LeBain. Um, so she talks, she talks about her own struggles with mental health. Um, she had postpartum depression. Um, and yeah, she just, and so she, she talked about it, um, publicly in South Africa kind of before it was being talked about publicly. And so she dealt a lot with, um, just the backlash of that. Mm -hmm. So she talked about her experiences with that. Um, and yeah, and so now she's just like an awesome advocate for it. And she was also just, you know, as a media personality, like she just, she had a personality. Yeah. So, um, it was really cool to have her and she's, and she's, um, a big name too. So people mm-hmm. were really excited to meet her mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people from the event, 
um, I've seen her, like continue to follow up with her and post pictures with her. So I can see oh, like, oh, we made nice. those connections. Yeah. I see you. <laughs> you know, so that was awesome. Um, I would love to work with Penny again. And um, we also had a life coach. Uh, her name is Naledi Modisa Pudi. Um, and so she kind of brought in that like young millennial perspective mm-hmm. and and talking about her own experiences and how one of the points she made was that just, you know, getting through depression um, and other mental health, it's a it's a process. So she talked about how like, you know, she was depressed and then she'd get better, but then she'd get depressed again and, and you know, just really made that real. And it was just really like awesome to see people humanizing uh, mm. those stories and and talking from their own personal experience. And that's exactly what I wanted because obviously mm. I'm not South African. So um, I needed those folks there to like um, talk to the South African perspective. And uh, really, you know, that's what we're trying to do is just connect people to the resources mm. like in their communities and everything like that. So it was a really successful event, like first time event um, to have in a, you know, a new country. And everyone afterwards was like, you have to do more of these. Like, they were, like people were coming up to me. And even now they're like, look, you cannot just have one event like that. You have to have a series. You, we need to come back. Like, we need to be doing this, like, over and over again. Like, don't leave me hanging. And I was like, I hear you. <laughs> just, it takes a lot to like, yes. do those sounds things. Like, sounds like group therapy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the demand was there. And it was super fun. We played. We had music. You know, we had a DJ and stuff there. So... I mean, you know, like it was it was like a kickback conversation, all of that kind of stuff. So exactly, you know, in the black health spirit of things. So right. so does that mean we'll have more events in South oh, Africa? Oh, uh, we definitely will. <laughs> we'll definitely have more events in South Africa. I'm actually thinking about two this year. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all right. Thanks, Khadija, for making me talk about that. Because <laughs> so, I am really excited about it. But yeah, okay, now I'll pass it over to Matthew. <laughs> Yeah, we um we hinted around it and and talked about it tangentially, but I think we have to identify uh, the perpetual elephant in the room being the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, yeah, and I don't want to preach about vaccines, about wearing your mask. Y'all should do that. Um, but something I've really been struggling with, and you know, having to deal with during the pandemic is really navigating friendships, um, and, and dating, and like relationships. And, you know, really trying to to have a social life, mm-hmm. uh, but still keep myself safe and keep my family safe. Um, as you all know, you know, early on in the pandemic, I was like not seeing anybody. I was hanging out by my, like by myself mm-hmm. and outside. outside and like trying to be really safe. Um, but, you know, you know, we all got needs. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one time I... Uh, you know, I, me and this woman, you know, decided to, to get a hotel room and, you know, um, do what adults do. Welcome to the quiet store. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you go a long time without um, intimacy. intimacy. I like, that's a good word for it. Um, <laughs> and then we both got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but... So, but that was early on. That was like pre-vaccine. But she gave you COVID or not? Y'all got COVID from the hotel. I don't know. <laughs> COVID. I don't know. Somewhere. COVID. COVID is out there doing his thing. He got COVID. both of us. The OG uh, COVID. <laughs> the original. COVID Pre- was like, I'm this intimacy too. Right. <laughs> I'm in y'all room. Right. So y'all getting it in. Okay. <laughs> I won't watch. Right. Um, 
but yeah, so I think that was that was pre-vaccines. Um, you know, I've been a bit more social now. Um, but I just wanted to have a conversation, you know, how y'all are dealing with, you know, folks who are your friends who may not be vaccinated, but folks who are your friends who may not believe in masking. Um, what does that look like? And, and how have you been able to, like, navigate those relationships and friendships um, without, like, berating people? <laughs> I honestly, I just don't talk about it. Like, um, my friends who are unvaccinated, I hey, that's your decision not to be vaccinated. I do, you know, I take my proper precautions. Do you hang out with them? Not all the time. Not as frequently as I hang out with my vaccinated friends. I ain't even gonna hold you. Because <laughs> especially at the time when I was staying with my mom, like, I was just very concerned for her. Because mm-hmm. my mother is 68. She has high blood pressure. She's overweight. All of the things that they tell you make you worse outcomes for COVID. So mm-hmm. I was just like, and no, I ain't getting they were sick for nobody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but then when I started having like functions, like I pretty much kept to the same social circle mm-hmm. throughout the whole time. Um, and then when I did want to merge my friends, I just made everybody get a COVID test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at this point, it's what, what more can you do? <laughs> And at this point, I feel like I've done everything I can do for myself. Mm-hmm. So, Khadija, like you said the other day, if I get COVID again, I'm blaming Biden. It's your fault, Joe. You said you said you was gonna make this shit go away. <laughs> Forty five would have been passing out stimmies by now. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, no, right. Come on, it's, we it's can't kinda... be out here romanticizing. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. He was an asshole. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just saying, <laughs> niggas would have had a stimmy. <laughs> yeah. Khadija, I know that um, you are forced to be around people who, not, who aren't even your friends yeah. Um, yeah. because you're a you know, student right now. So mm-hmm. what, what's that experience been like? Um, it's a mess. So I'm um, in back in school, back a student. And um, <laughs> this is, this is, this this sounds so bad, y'all. This is my first time in, in public school um oh. in my life. Whole life. Whole life. Public school. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I feel like you're going to like PS 118. Like, <laughs> privilege. She's right. <laughs> right. She a whole PhD program. Like <laughs> public school. Um, and, you know, it's been great. You know, <laughs> we love the diversity. <laughs> we love, you know, the equity focus and stuff. But um, being in a public university in a red state is awful. Um, and, you know, higher ed, I know this is an issue, definitely an issue in K-12 um, public education when you're in a red state. But, um, you know, one of the, the pros and now con of um, being in a public institution, a public education institution is the policies and practices are dictated by the state. Mm -hmm. And so if you reside in a state that's anti-science, then you will suffer the consequences at your your school. So, you know, I'm just out, you know, I got my K-95 
my hoodie up. I don't be mixing, mingling. I don't be talking to no one. I go to go to class and go home. <laughs> but you know, you know, no, no testing requirements, vaccine requirements, masking requirements, no contact tracing, no. No, no, nothing. I'm just Georgia says, out here raw. <laughs> May the eyes be ever in your face. Your classes were online, but not anymore. No. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do be driving through Georgia State campus, and y'all be sick out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are they tracking anything with COVID? No. Oh. No. Okay. That's like the other issue. Um, you know, I'm not sure about other states, but Georgia got in trouble early on in the pandemic for not either collecting data on COVID or like lying about data. And so this is still happening in 20, you know, 22. They're still not, they're finding ways to get around not collecting data on um, cases. And so like, I would not even know if there was an outbreak on campus. Mm. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no data. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's pretty horrible. Mm. On brand for Georgia. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. on brand. Mm-hmm. Mercy, yeah. how's your experience been with coronavirus? So similar to Matthew, I got OG COVID. I think <laughs> I had it like a couple weeks before you did. That sounds right. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. asking you, asking you for uh, for tips. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I actually uh, tested positive on New Year's Eve. So oh. happy freaking New Year! <laughs> you sure did. And then I couldn't go to the New yeah. Year's Eve party because I have, was just around. Was just with, yo, was hanging out with the day before. And I was like, like, damn. And I was like, let me be responsible. So then I text y'all and I was like, I can't come because Aww. I was exposed to COVID. <laughs> like, damn you, COVID. I was like, and it was like, it was really like a slap in the face. Like, because I'm like, ooh, I done made it through 2020 without getting COVID. And it's like, I got you, bitch. Right. <laughs> got you right at the end. And so like, I had like mild illness. So I wasn't, I don't get sick often. So I would think I was just generally miserable because I was sick. But mm-hmm. like overall, like I didn't get like super sick. Um, But like afterwards, like that's when things got really crazy for me. So like, my heart would just start like racing all the time. Wow. And so like it would be just to the point like it would like wake me up out of my sleep and it was causing like this weird like pressure in my chest. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like maybe it's anxiety, but this feels weird. So go to urgent care. They're like, give me anxiety meds. A few days later, I'm like, nah, this ain't working. Something else is going on. Um, talked to a few other people who had COVID. They were like, yeah, same thing happened to me afterwards. It kind of just like went away on its own. But like, mm. it could also be like this long list of things that sound really scary. So go back <laughs> to urgent care. They do an EKG. She's like, oh, no, nah, sis, you got to go to the ER because your resting heart rate is like 150. Oh She's God. like, you're just sitting here. Oh. <laughs> and your heart is beating 100. <laughs> like, it's, it's gone. She out. She gone. <laughs> so go to the ER. They take my, um, do another EKG. My heart rate has gone down a little bit, but it's still like 142. <laughs> so they're like, all right, we got to run all these tests because like oh. what you're talking about, like, We've seen people after COVID, Mm. like, develop blood clots and Mm. get in their lungs Mm -hmm. and all this, like, scary shit. So I'm just like, 
Lord Jesus, I got a blood clot. And then, like, this is, like, COVID, <laughs> yeah. so no one could be in the room with me. So my mom is just, like, sitting in the car in the parking lot. And I'm just, mm. like, in this room by myself, freaking out, because now I'm hooked up to all these machines. And, like, I'm looking at the monitor, and, like, my heart rate would, like, go down to, like, 80. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just, like, chilling. Like, then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I feel weird. I'm just looking at the monitor. Oh my my heart rate just going up, going up, going mm. up. And I think, like, at one point, it hit, like, 160. And I'm literally laying oh in a bed, y'all. Oh <laughs> so I felt crazy. So then they're like, well, all your tests came back normal. So it's like, okay, that's a good thing. But, like, there's still something wrong with me. Yeah. So then right. they're like, okay, got to go to a cardiologist. So I'm like... Bruh, I'm 33. Like, what you, at that time, I was 32. So, like, a cardiologist, <laughs> this sounds crazy. Yeah. So, cardiologist appointments, they scheduled me for all these other tests, echo, like, which is an ultrasound in your heart, stress mm. test. Then they went to put me on a heart monitor for 30 days, do all this stuff, do my heart monitor. They analyze those results. Same thing. It's just like, yeah, you're just really tachycardic. But, like, end up going to a second opinion cardiologist. I had to find me a black woman, y'all, mm-hmm. because it wasn't that. I just say trust that doctor. But black women, it's just, I just feel safe there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so found me a black woman cardiologist. And she confirmed that what the first cardiologist was saying was right, that he did everything he was supposed to do. Because, you know, they be thinking we dramatic. <laughs> I wanted to make sure he gave me all the proper tests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that, so everything ended up resolving on its own. Apparently, it can happen. It's like lingering inflammation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And like your body just trying to like settle back in and getting back to normal and stuff. But then that just made me like now has just made me like hypersensitive mm-hmm. and like kind of have like health anxiety. So like yeah. anytime I feel like something like a little pain, I'm like, girl, you're getting older. Like stuff just going to hurt sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be like, but girl, what if, what if you have an aneurysm? What if you got a blood clot? Oh, my God. Don't mm-hmm. think about but that. But what if you finna have a heart attack? Like, that's just always where my brain goes yeah. now. I just, mm-hmm. like, goes to extremes. I just, it just made me so paranoid. That is traumatic, though. Like, just it, you describing yeah. it was kind of traumatic. Like, oh, my gosh. Seeing all those machines. And... Right. And it's just, like, your heart. It's like. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, number need, one need killer that. of black women. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Like, almost half. Every mm-hmm. time I get a chest pain, I'm like, oh. It's <laughs> But then that experience for me, too, was just, like, on the other side of that, it's, like, I was fortunate enough, like, fortunate, and it's sad to say that I'm fortunate to have access to all of that. Like, there's so many people who might have had COVID and had that feeling afterwards, but couldn't go see a doctor. Didn't really do much about it. Right. Didn't have insurance. Didn't have insurance. Damn sure can't afford no specialist. Can't type can't take off of work for all those doctor's appointments. That The stress test and all that stuff I had to do, that took four hours. Oh, wow. Like, I was at the doctor all day almost. So it's like, when I think about, like, so many of the people that are deemed essential workers, how they don't have livable wages jobs, how they don't have access to health insurance or quality health insurance. They don't have sick time to take off from work to handle stuff like that. So it's just... It just continued to highlight just how fucked up the American healthcare system Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Well, I'm happy you're better. Yeah, me too, girl, because baby. Yeah. Yeah, I got Delta because I was trying to be cute and have a Juneteenth party. (laughs) (laughs) That was fabulous, by the way. It did. (laughs) It was fun. But then I got a text later like... 
hey, such and such had COVID. Sorry, at your party. But I mean, like, they had just found out. They didn't know the person had COVID. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and then, sure enough, like, a couple days later, I started, I got a headache, and I was really fatigued. But I was vaccinated at this point, so it, it all passed pretty quickly for me. Mm. I was only sick for about two, three days, and then I felt better. But it was kind of dramatic. Like, I mean, it was just more sick than I had felt like with a regular cold and everything mm-hmm. for about two, three days, and then I was okay. But yeah, Matthew, to your point earlier, just about like how, you know, like what are we doing with our with people in our lives who are like unvaccinated and stuff? And how do you talk to people about that? Like, so, okay, so I have a dog now. I'm a dog mom. And so, <laughs> oh like, what's your dog's name? Martin. What's his Woof- full name? Woofer. His name is Martin Woofer Martin. King Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so my the liberator. <laughs> yeah, he is he, he's a cab. But um <laughs> so um his name was already Martin. I don't want people to think I purposely set out to name my dog after MLK. But <laughs> cuz somebody was like that's so disrespectful. And, and I was like maybe, but <laughs> But his name was already Martin when I got from the shelter. And that's what he responds to. So I was like, well, that's not right for me to try to change his name. So then it just became a joke that he became Martin Woofer King Jr. But now I've taken the joke to the point where, like, he'd be trying to break other dogs out of prison and stuff like that. Because he takes his name literally. Yeah, but he does get really stressed when he sees other dogs behind bars. Like, he does not like that at all. So I feel like, you know, yeah, his little, little spirit. Abolitionist. Yeah. And then, like, it was these white ladies I used to take him to. I don't take him to these uh-huh. ladies anymore. Um, like, when I would travel and stuff for work. <laughs> so I would take him to this kennels run by these white ladies. And they would be like, oh, it's our little police dog. Uh-huh. I was like, stop calling my dog a police dog. Like, I, he is a German Shepherd. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like he ain't no damn police dog. He ain't on that side. Right. <laughs> he like niggas. <laughs> That's a microaggression. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like, he's not a police dog, trust me. Right. <laughs> like, no. But anyway, having a dog has really taught me, like, how, you know, other living beings, like <laughs> dogs, <laughs> but I'm extrapolating this to people, really respond better to positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. So, like, with Martin, my dog, you know, I'd be like, stop doing that. Stop, you know, whenever he would do something I didn't want him to do. And it's just like, it would go in one ear and out the other. But when he does what I want him to do and I give him a treat or give him like a lot of affection, then we I start to see like incremental like changes, you know, like he will start to do that behavior more and more. Mm. And, you know, less he'll he won't do the thing I don't want him to do. You know, he'll do that less. Um, and it's like when he does something I don't want him to do, I try to more so ignore it and then work on my behavior so that I can, you know, try to get him to go in the right direction. And like I said, when he does something good, he gets lots of treats. So, and I just feel like when I was always like, you know, fighting with him and arguing with him, we weren't getting anywhere. Like, Mm. you know, like it was just, we was just fighting every day. But when I started to focus more on the positive reinforcement, we, like I said, we would start to make like incremental changes and stuff like that. I'm sure I'm going to have to start all over when I get back to South Africa, but you know, (laughs) I don't even know if he remembers me anymore, but um, yeah. (laughs) But um, so that's just like, that's something I learned like last year. Like that's why I got a dog too. I was just trying to like learn some life lessons and he's been good for that. And so that's something I try to take into my relationships with people and 
just to tie that back to where I was getting to with like that scene <laughs> and everything, it's like, I don't argue with people about what I think that they should do with like COVID related, like protections and stuff like that. Like I mm-hmm. will try to just have like a positive conversation. So I'll ask them maybe like, well, you know, why don't you want to get vaccinated? And I just listen, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I get that. I get, you know, I try to like mm-hmm. listen and affirm them. Mm-hmm. And in between that, I might say, well, you know, I think this, but yeah. And then kind of let them keep talking about what it is that they mm-hmm. think. And I think like, especially if you're close to somebody and you and you see that person like multiple times, I think over time you can kind of like bring them a little bit more to your side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you'll, you'll be surprised. And that person will come and be like, actually, I got vaccinated. And, you know, like they'll be kind of like happy to tell you because they know that like they're going to get some positive reinforcement, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so that's kind of how I try to do stuff is like, just just be nice about it. And then, like you said, Mercy, if, if you really don't want to get vaccinated, then... Hey, it is what it is. But I don't feel like we're going to get anywhere fighting people about Not it. No. Sure. <laughs> and I, I also think, you know, Black people have every reason to be hesitant. Exactly. And be trustful. Um, and so it's the the job of institutions to to rectify that and, and help mm-hmm. people overcome that trust. Um, and not our jobs and to not, argue and with not our shame people, them. right? Yeah, right. right. definitely not shame them. When I see doctors and like yeah, mm-hmm. other people like in in healthcare who are like super like from their professional standpoint, like super annoyed and like just indignant about people not getting vaccinated. I'm like, how do you take that? Per- like, it's strange to me that you're taking that personally and not thinking this is a failure on the part of my job, <laughs> like right. my workplace, mm-hmm. like, you know, instead of blaming individuals, which is exactly what we're not supposed to do. Like, right. it's just really interesting to me. Like, yeah. Because honestly, if we keep it a book, the public health system has failed tremendously oh, yeah. everyone throughout yeah. this all, all pandemic the all the systems like we i mean cuz it's and it's not really a surprise if you like were just kind of aware of things before we got here but mm-hmm. like why is it 2 years later and we're literally still having the same issues we had and four tests to a house even though <laughs> even though four you, tests. You, you can't get your test <laughs> To a house. <laughs> I still can't get my test. I keep trying to order it. You keep trying the workarounds and it's like, no, somebody, somebody already, already claimed your address. Wow. That's crazy. And yeah, and that that just also just made me think of something else. Like, wow. So like, how are y'all even verifying people's exactly. address? How can There's somebody no use your address? Yeah. There's no way to stop me from me using your address. Right. Yeah. Like, so th- Maybe so, Matthew yeah. did use your address. Did you use my address? Because <laughs> you do have a lot of people in your house. That was an admission. Right. I stole your address. I have the, when, I, when the tracking number comes, I'm going to come pick it up. <laughs> no, you won't. I'm going to be watching the cameras. <laughs> so um, is there anything else on y'all's hearts and minds before we wrap up today? Nope. Stay, right. stay, stay safe out in these streets. It's like a Zoom call where you're like, any questions? <laughs> Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you five minutes of your time back. Like, what is that? Right. Like, no, you're not giving me five You're not. Right. Time. <laughs> like, thanks, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks, y'all, for listening, rocking with us for so long. Um, and if you're new here, um, then you should know where to find us. We are Black Health, B L K H L T H. It's all one word, y'all. All one word. All one word, no space. B L K H L T H. On well, it was 
blackhealth.com. And then we also have World Black Health, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can even find us on TikTok. We don't have nothing up on TikTok, but we're there. We're, yeah. we're going to start. We're gonna One start day. Gen, gen soon. Z. One yeah. day. We're going to get us some little um, Gen Zers. <laughs> and yeah, like we all mentioned, like we have some really, really amazing projects planned for this year. So definitely stay tuned with us. Um, Instagram is definitely the best, best place to catch up with us. Um, and we're always open for collaboration. You can book us to speak at your thing. You can book us with to... With a budget. Yep. <laughs> You can pay us to speak. (laughs) And we teach workshops on racism and health and how to do something about that. And uh, our next thing that's coming up in February is a virtual event on Black women in prep. It's going to be on National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. So that's February 7th. uh, And that's in partnership with the CDC's Let's Stop HIV Together campaign. So just keep an eye out for more information on that. We'll post about it soon. Um, And then, you know, you can find out then how to join that conversation. So I hope you close out January strong like we are. Happy belated MLK Day. Shout out to Martin Woofer King Jr. I miss you. And and happy early Black History Month. Peace, y'all. Bye. Bye.